That's the death of our Lord Jesus Christ and why he shed his blood for each and every one of us. We're glad you're here tonight for this good service. Let's begin by taking our songbooks, please. Join us at 237. 237. Alas, and did my Savior bleed, and did my Sovereign die? Would he devote that sacred head for such a worm as I? Let's stand together, please, as we sing together. 237. churches together and uh, can commune and fellowship and praise the Lord together, uh, but here it is, and uh, I know uh, each one of your pastors are encouraged uh, by the uh, turnout, so thank you for being here. Uh, we're going to go to the Lord and ask the Lord's presence uh, to be in our presence this evening. I'm going to ask Pastor Seth Amos, sir, would you please open us up in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, it's so good to be here. Oh, it's such a, such a blessing, Father, to see Brethren, welcome to unity tonight. And Father, we gather tonight really to celebrate the greatest gift that's ever been given to mankind. 
the sacrifice of your only begotten Son on the cross of Calvary. Yes. We can't help but think of where we'd be tonight without you. And Lord, tonight we gather because of you and ask for your presence and your blessing upon the service this evening. Lord, I pray that you empower the preaching of your word. And Lord, I pray that we be able to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, that every part of the service tonight would be pleasing and glorifying to your holy name. Lord, may we walk out of these doors tonight, Father, not just simply absorbing the Word, but walk out here tonight being doers of the Word and shining the light of Jesus Christ in the community around us. Lord, let Your will be done in each church represented. And may You be glorified in each church represented here tonight. We give You all the praise and the glory. We ask it in Jesus' precious name. Amen. May you see well, coming to bless a heart with a song to begin with, Brother Larry Burns, one of the men of our church, comes to sing for us. When he was on the cross, I was on the I'm not on an eagle trip I'm nothing on my own I make mistakes, I often slip Just common flesh and bone But I'll prove someday just why I say I'm of a special kind for when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. He knew me, yet he loved me. He whose glory makes the heaven shine. So unworthy of such mercy when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. The look of love was on his face, and thorns were on his head. Blood was on his scarlet robe, stained the crimson red. And though his eyes were on the crowd, he looked ahead in time. For when he was on the cross, I was on. Yes, we 
Thank you so much, Larry. Appreciate that wonderful reminder. 243, please, in your hymn book. 243. Sometimes I know in leading music, we, we try to take a verse out here or a song verse out here, just kind of consolidate and shorten things up a little bit. But this is one of those songs you can't do that with. You've you got to have it all to paint the entire picture. It's one of Isaac Watts' great hymns. Let's sing it together tonight. When I survey the wondrous cross. When I survey. 243.
Pilate's hall, they scourged our Lord and mocked his holy name. All hail the King of Jews, they loudly cried. They nailed him to a rugged tree and left him there to die. The King of Kings with wounded and laid him in the tomb. All hope seemed gone, the king of kings was dead. But death was not triumphant, he rose up from the grave. And soon he'll be returning as he please 247 let's sing one of the great old ones all right on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross the emblem of suffering and shame let's stand together please 247 
place called Calvary where my Savior suffered alone the crowd the spit the nails the crown he died my sin to atone oh I thank God for Calvary it's the blood that set me free he bore my shame oh praise his name I've never been the same since I came to Calvary. I knelt at a place called Calvary. And I heard my Savior cry, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Then he bowed his head to die. Oh, I thank God. For Calvary, it's the blood that set me free. He bore my shame, oh praise his name, I've never been the same since I came. blood cleansed and set you free like the dying thief would you say Lord remember me oh I thank God for set me free he bore my shame oh praise his name I've never been the same since I came to
Amen. Thank you, Brother Hunter. I do appreciate the good music that's been sang tonight. And uh, now our hearts are uh, full. Now it's getting ready to overflow. And uh, the point of the service where we all came for is uh, the preaching of God's Word. And uh, I'm excited to hear Pastor Wes uh, tonight. So would you give his, him your undivided attention, please? Where in the world all these people come from? <laughs> Amen. I appreciate that music at Calvary. And surely a crowd this size, everybody, on a, on a good Friday, I'd like to think that everybody's saved and everyone, but I don't know that. And we're going to understand some things about it tonight. But uh, I don't know which one of these is working, but as long as he knows and it's working, that'd be fine. But uh, I was looking around now. Needless to say, you get a little nervous, and I wasn't sure who'd be here, and I thought, well, we'll have a Wednesday night crowd, a few folks here, a few folks there, and they kept coming in, and so I'll go ahead and tell you what happened. What we decided to do when we, when we joined churches, we was going to see, one church was going to have the, just have the, uh, supply the building, one the music, and one the preacher. I told my people, our deacons that, then I told them I was preaching, they said, so we lost the draw. <laughs> So, in this case, you wasn't sure what happened. We lost the draw is what's going on. So, uh, you'll blame that on just so it, it works that way sometimes. But we do appreciate you being here, and we are excited. I'm not used to, uh, someone told me last time I preached from this pulpit that I looked like a little midget up here. I'm not big enough, and I kind of wish they'd give me something else to stand on, but, but we'll, make, we'll make do. But uh, appreciate, uh, appreciate the good music. That was, that was wonderful singing. I was a little concerned that they was... They was practicing before the service, and he just stopped them right in the middle. He just, he gave them that, and I thought, boy, I thought it was pretty good, but he, just, he cut them off, and so I, I, I was afraid he wasn't going to let them sing after that, but they did, and they did a great job. We appreciate them. If you got your Bibles with you tonight, we're going to be in the book of Matthew chapter number 27. Now, folks, folks back at home know I'm used to using a PowerPoint now, and so I usually have a place where I begin reading, and then from there on, you don't have to turn. But uh, I didn't bring that. I didn't put that together because I wasn't sure how things was going. And so uh, you might want to go ahead and mark a couple of places in your Bible. We'll be going to them here in a little bit in 2 Timothy chapter 1 and also in Romans chapter number 5. We'll turn there in just a little while. But we're going to read a rather lengthy part here in Matthew 27. Um, I would say it's familiar to us and it should be. All the Bible should be familiar to us. And uh, but this is, this is a type, this is a story that tonight it tells a little bit of what happened uh, on what we call Good Friday. I'll start in verse number 11 of Matthew chapter number 27. The Bible says, And Jesus stood before the governor, and the governor asked him, saying, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus said unto him, Thou sayest. And when he was accused, and when he was accused of the chief priests and elders, he answered nothing. Then said Pilate unto him, Hearest thou not how many things they witness against thee? And he answered him never a word, insomuch that the governor marveled greatly. Now at that feast the governor was wont to release unto the people a prisoner whom they would. And they had then a notable prisoner called Barabbas. Therefore when they were gathered together, Pilate said unto them, Whom will ye that I release unto you, Barabbas or Jesus, which is called Christ? For he knew that for envy they had delivered him. 
When he was set down on the judgment seat, his wife sent unto him, saying, Have thou nothing to do with this just man? For I have suffered many things this day in a dream because of him. But the chief priests and elders persuaded the multitude that they should ask Barabbas and destroy Jesus. The governor answered and said unto them, Whither of the twain will you that I release unto you? They said, Barabbas. Pilate saith unto them, What shall I do then with Jesus, which is called Christ? They all say unto him, Let him be crucified. And the governor said, Why? What evil hath he done? But they cried out the more, saying, Let him be crucified. When Pilate saw that he could prevail nothing, but that rather a tumult was made, he took water and washed his hands before the multitude, saying, I am innocent of the blood of this just person. See you to it. Then answered all the people and said, His blood be on us and on our children. Then released he Barabbas unto them, and when they had scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the common hall and gathered unto him the whole band of soldiers. And they stripped him and put on him a scarlet robe. And when they had plaited a crown of thorns and put it upon his head and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, after that they had mocked him, they took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. Let's pray this evening. Father, we love you. Thank you for the opportunity to come and to celebrate the day, God, that you give your life. I pray you'll help us understand a little more about it tonight. Uh, God, I, I'm sure likely everyone in this room is saved tonight, but I'm just as sure that likely we don't understand the price that was paid for us to be saved. I pray you'll help us understand a little bit about that tonight. And God will thank you for what to do in Jesus' name. Amen. This evening we gather to celebrate Good Friday. A lot of places around the country and around the world, uh, kids were out of school, not just because of spring break, but because it's Good Friday. Some people didn't have to work today, uh, all because of Good Friday. So you might, some people might ask, and I do run across people. Now, I'm sure you folks got a little better idea, but I run across many people say, what makes this day so special? Well, this is the day that we commemorate the day that, that Christ was crucified. A few years ago, there was a movie that came out uh, called The Passion of the Christ. Now, I've, I've not seen it, but I have been told that if you, if you have seen it, you have seen a pretty good depiction of what happened on that Good Friday. Basically, on that morning, uh, the morning before Passover was to start, Jesus was brought before the different uh, leaders, church leaders or religious leaders there in Jerusalem, Jewish, Roman leaders, to stand trial for crimes that he'd committed. But he had committed none. And so what happened was he was railroaded. He was convicted on trumped up charges and he was sentenced to death. After the death sentence was handed down by Pilate, uh, he was taken out and he was beaten to the point that he was barely recognizable to anyone who knew him. He was mocked by the guards. He was taunted by them as king of the Jews. He was dressed in robes. They spit upon him. They beat him some more. They put a crown of thorns on his head. And then they paraded him through the streets of Jerusalem. Now, I know you've read this and we've read many of it there, but understand what's happened. They, he, he's going through the street. They, he's carrying the piece of wood, the cross that he's going to be nailed to later on. When he gets to Golgotha, the place where the crucifixion was to take place, 
he was put on that cross. They nailed his hands and his feet to a wooden cross and they pulled that cross upright and there he hung on that cross, struggling to breathe for several hours before dying. Just before the sun set for that day, he was taken down from the cross and put in a borrowed tomb. That's just a short summary of what happened on that Good Friday. But I cannot read that story and I cannot read those verses and hear that story without this question coming to mind. And I've heard, and I've had people actually ask me this question before. Why in the world would we call it Good Friday? What's good about it? Uh, wouldn't it be more appropriate to call today Black Friday or maybe Bad Friday? Uh, yeah, if you can imagine, and I'm sure there's been times when we could celebrate a person's death. I'll be honest with you. When Saddam Hussein and when Osama bin Laden was put to death, I didn't shed a tear. Now, I did, there was sadness that our world could get to such a place of that, but I, I, was not, I did not feel sorry for him. And, and maybe that's wrong, but I didn't. And I'm sure if you could talk to some folks who lived in the day of Adolf Hitler, I doubt that when, he, when his life ended, there was too many people who were sad about that. But this is nothing like that. Jesus was completely opposite of these people. So why do we celebrate the death of a man who healed the sick? Why do we celebrate the death of a man who gave to the poor? Why do we celebrate the death of someone who cared for people who followed him? Why would we come together and make this a special day? Well, the celebration today is not really just about the fact that Jesus died. You see, it's really about why he died. Um, we're not just celebrating his death, we're celebrating the reason that he died. And so for, in order for us to understand what makes Good Friday good, I'm, we're gonna have to examine tonight why he died. And there's several reasons we could give, but if, you're, if you've been a preacher very long, you know if you say anything more than three points, you scare people to death. And with this many folks here tonight, I would not even begin to tell you I've got more than three points. And so I've got three thoughts I want to share with you tonight and, and those reasons. But the first reason why I can say that the death, the death of Christ is a good thing, the very first reason is simply this, because he died to take our place. As is often the case, in order to understand the good news, you have to first understand the bad news. Now, I'm sure everybody in here does, but I'm going to go through it anyhow because I think sometimes we just take it for granted that everybody knows these things. But the bad news is we're all guilty. Uh, the bad news is each of us has broken the laws of God. And no matter how seemingly small you might think, you know what, I'm a pretty good person and I can bear myself to this person, that. And so I'm really not all that bad, no matter how small it may seem, or even maybe on the other side, how, how large uh, your sins may seem. The fact is we've all sinned before God. And if you was to try to tell me tonight, well, preacher, uh, I, I thought about this because there was a gentleman we, I used to pick up and I brought him to our church and he was an, well, he wasn't older. He was older than I was, but not much older. And and um, I, I hate to say I forgot his name, but I'm kind of glad I did because if I said it, somebody might remember him. But I talked to him one day and, and um, I wanted to make sure he was saved. And I tried to talk to him a little bit and, and he assured me he was saved. And so I said, well, can you give me a testimony of when you got saved? And he said, well, I got the spirit of God flowing through me. I said, well, when did that happen? He said, it's always been. 
You've not always been saved if you're in here tonight and you're saved. It didn't, you didn't start out that way. And so that, you need to understand that, that we've all sinned. And so if you say, well, preacher, I don't think I have, then you're guilty of lying is what you're guilty of. And so, uh, but all sin carries a necessary penalty and that penalty is eternal death. And that penalty has to be paid. Someone has to pay it. I, you could think of it like this, as like maybe a court, of a, a court of law. Say you're guilty of a crime, the penalty has to be paid. And uh, suppose you had someone who really loved you and cared for you, and they said, I want to pay the penalty for you. Well, if, you're, if the penalty for your crime happened to be death, it would mean they're going to have to die in your place. But finding a person who's willing to die in your place is not enough. That'd be hard, hard enough to do, find someone who's willing to die for you. Not too many are like that. But that wouldn't be enough because the judge would require this person can't be guilty of the same thing you are or he can't die for you. And so if he has the death penalty on him, he couldn't die in your, in your place. And unfortunately, your life and my life is only good for one. No one's better than anyone else. And so it's, let's just say you had someone who loved you enough to die for you. They couldn't die for me also because they could only cover one person and they would have to be perfect. And so uh, there's problems there and, and no one could go and, and, and die for everyone on death row and set them free. It can't happen that way. So in order for one person to pay for the sins of many people, that person's life needs to be especially valuable, more valuable than any human being's life. Now let me bring Jesus into the picture. The Bible says this in Hebrews 4, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. The writer of Hebrews talks quite a bit about the great high priest. And the great high priest that he's talking about is Jesus, someone without sin. And in this passage, he explains that he was tempted, just like you and I, Everything, everything you have faced in life, everything I've faced in life, he was tempted with those things, but he, he was tempted without sin. He never gave in to any temptation. So because he is without sin, he is uniquely qualified to offer his life to pay the penalty for my sins. That's a very enjoyable thing. I, I'm glad to know that, but also because he's God and he's not just man, he's qualified to pay for more than just mine. He can pay for all of mankind. And he's the only one who can. Now back to the question, why do I call today Good Friday? Why do I call it good? Well, one reason is simply this. It gives me the chance to be set free. It gives you the chance to be set free. If it weren't for Good Friday, we would live our lives without hope. We could have a good time in life. There's folks I know today, they're, in, they're living it up, but they have no hope because they have no Christ. And their, their life, whatever, they, whatever joy they have is going to uh, amount to whatever happens here on this earth. And then it's over. And uh, that's, that's not a life you want. And uh, because we all stand guilty before God and there's nothing we can do to overcome that guilt. Nothing in ourselves. We need someone to help us. And on Good Friday, we got the help we needed. We got what we was looking for. So Good Friday is good because I'm a sinner and I need a sacrifice and Jesus provided that sacrifice on this day. And so I should say to you today, Good Friday is good for that reason because his death was for me. But there's another reason his death was a good thing because his death was God's plan. Now, that seems a little absurd when you think about it. 
Uh, it's hard for me to understand that. Uh, it's hard for me to understand that God would, his plan would be for his only son to die in the place of people who deserve to die. I'll be honest with you. I wouldn't do that, but I'm not God. And I, I can't think that way. My mind doesn't think that way. Uh, it, but the Bible teaches that God's plan before the world was ever created was for Jesus to give his life. Now, if, you've, if you're in 2 Timothy, if you want to look there, I'm going to read some verses beginning in verse number 8. The Bible says this in 2 Timothy chapter number 1, verse number 8 says, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner. Now think of who Paul's writing this. He's a prisoner. He's writing to Timothy. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, you say, preacher, I just read that. That's about as confusing as it can get. Well, it could be, but let's see what he's really saying here. In verse number nine, he says, who hath saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace. Now, my thought is this is Good Friday because this was part of God's plan. Jesus dying was not, I didn't think that up. God thought that up. In fact, before the world ever started, salvation doesn't have really a whole lot to do with anything I've done. It has nothing to do with anything I've done uh, because the fact is God chose to save me in spite of my sin. God said, you're a sinner, but I'm going to send someone to die for you anyhow. Uh, And again, that's hard for us to understand. And if we read on to that, he says, but according to his own purpose and grace, it goes on and says, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. This grace that he gave us through Christ, he says, "I, I had that ready for you before I even created the earth. Now think about what he's trying to tell us. Paul says before God wrote Genesis 1-1, before anything ever been created, God already had in motion the plans for Good Friday. God already had what he's going to do. He already knew what he's going to do. The grace that Christ had, of grace of Christ had already been applied to my life, even though it hadn't really happened yet, if you could say it that way. Now I'm not trying to tell you that you get saved, you don't have any choice. God does that. That's not true. Uh, If you're saved today, you chose to be saved. God doesn't choose for you. No one else chooses for you. God, you choose for yourself. You're going to be saved. But what becomes clear to me and what I really like about this is Christ dying and going to the cross was not plan B. It wasn't like God had something else he wanted to do. He didn't say, you know what? I, I, here's what I'll do. I'll create the world and I'll see what happens. I'll, I'll, I'll see if they live the way I told them to. But if they don't, then plan B is I'll send Jesus and have him die for him. No, he knew all along. He said, I know what they're going to do. I know how they're going to live, but you're going to die for them anyhow. And that was the plan. And uh, he knew it all along. He created us knowing full well that we was going to rebel. And yet he created us anyhow. I've often said this. If, it, if in my mind, I'd have, I'd have just started over. I'd have just wiped everybody out and started over. But God didn't do that. Uh, so he created us with the intention of sending Christ to redeem us from our sins. So his plan all along was to send Christ. And that was his master plan from the beginning. So it was the day that we consider Good Friday, God's plan was being worked out just like it's supposed to. 
Now, it's hard for us to understand that. And it, it breaks our heart that this world will get to a place that was necessary. But I'm telling you, it's good today because God was working his plan. Not mine, not yours, but God's plan. And so uh, a third reason I think when I, when, I, when I would consider this day as being uh, Good Friday, why I would say his death is something good is because the death of Christ brings glory to God. Uh, Paul gives a great picture over in Romans chapter 5 about, about how this works. He said, for we, in verse number 6, he says, When we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. I can sort of sense Paul's excitement as he's writing these verses and he's saying these things. He's thinking about what it implies, the death of Christ. What does that mean to him? And my thought is simply this, the death of Christ, it brings glory to God. I think Paul started remembering some things and started thinking back and it, uh, he points out how he said Jesus died for us, not his friends. He died for us, his enemies, people who despised him, people who didn't care for him, people who had an agenda of their own and didn't care what God had to say. And, the, and now because of that sacrifice, not anything I've done, not anything you've done, but because of that sacrifice of Christ, we're reconciled to God. We can stand before God as though nothing has ever been wrong. I can stand before God today as though I have never sinned. And uh, there's no other way I could repair that relationship. I couldn't do it. You couldn't do it. I couldn't find anybody who could do it for me. But he took it upon himself to set things right, even though it meant he was going to have to sacrifice his son. And so Paul makes a good point. He says this, when you and I understand what God has done for us, we're forced to realize all we can do is brag on God. I often tell people this. If you're, um, I can still remember when, uh, years ago when I was younger, my sister, she's not very, she wasn't, well, I would say she's not a very good swimmer. She's pathetic. She can't swim at all. And um, I remember my older brother, we was fishing off somewhere, and, and my sister was out there waiting around in the water, and, and uh, there was a drop-off. And I remember her falling off that and bobbing up and down out there and, we was catching fish, so we couldn't quit to get her. So, no, but, but my old, I wasn't going out there. I was she'd drown me. But my older brother went out there and grabbed a hold of her and pushed her back up on the ledge. And uh, I've always remembered that because I tell people this. You know, if you're drowning and someone saves you, what have you got to brag about? Man, you ought to have seen the way I was drowning. I was, I was going down with my nose up here. There's nothing to brag about except I was drowning. This person's all you can brag about. Paul says, when you understand what Christ has done for us, you're not going to brag on anything except the Lord. And, and that's the point that he's trying to make. And I saw a skit not long ago, just maybe a couple weeks ago. Uh, someone had it. It was online. They did it in a church, but I watched it online. And, and uh, there was a young woman there. And, and in, the, in this skit, she was, uh, it was, it was picturing her judgment day. And she stood there before God and everything she had done in her life was presented before God. Everything good, uh, everything bad, 
Every time she'd rebelled against God, every time she had had a thought that was impure, every time she had tried to assert her own power over God's power, every time she had sinned and no one else had seen it, all of that was, was shown there uh, in, this, in this skit. And, and uh, of course, behind her, there was, there was video clips showing the things going on. And as she saw all the sins that she'd committed, they, she'd just kind of sink down a little bit more in her chair because of guilt. She knew she was guilty. And uh, there was no question that she deserved to spend eternity in hell. And after making this, his presentation, her lawyer went to go get the verdict and he come back in a few moments with the verdict that it read, she's guilty on all counts, deserving of eternal death. And then he told her the penalty has already been paid and you're to be set free. Here was the point of the whole thing. She knew she was a believer. She knew she was a Christian. But until that judgment moment, it never really occurred to her how much she'd been forgiven. And I'd venture to say there's many of us in here tonight that we're saved and we know we're on our way to heaven, but we don't have any idea what it costs God. And I don't think this young lady, and again, it was a skit, but after she was told that she was set free, all she did was in this, in the skit, she fell to her knees and she thanked God for what he'd done. And uh, she understood that she wasn't just a pretty good person who made some mistakes. And that's where a lot of people are today. You know, I visit a lot of people and, and the majority of those people have in their mind, I'm a pretty good person. I'm not perfect, but I'm pretty good. That's not good enough. In fact, if, if you're going to get to heaven on your own, you're going to have to be perfect and you can't do it. And so she understood this and, and uh, she understood that she was an enemy of God. She was a person who seemed to oppose him at every turn. And she had, in, in spite of everything she had done, he chose to set her free anyhow. That's what you and I have to understand. When we understand the gift of the cross, we will fulfill God's ultimate purpose for our life. We will begin to bring glory to him. We will say he's worthy of all praise. We don't brag about ourselves. We brag on our God. We brag on what he's done for us. And our response to the cross should be the same as this woman on judgment day. We ought to fall on our knees and we ought to cry out and praise God for what he's done for us. Uh, anything that causes you to bring honor and glory to God is a good event, even if it's trouble, even if it's sickness, even if it's a death, if it causes me to bring honor and glory to God, it's a good thing. Uh, this is one more reason why Good Friday is good. It's good because he died to take my place. It's good because God planned it. And it's good because it brings glory to God. But honestly, the real question is not really why is Good Friday good? Because those reasons that we just said are, are spelled out. The real question is, so what? What should I do about it? If this is Good Friday and if it is such a good thing, uh, what should I do about it? Well, let me tell you the first thing you should do. You should examine yourself to make sure you've received that grace. Because just because Christ died for you does not, make sure, does not mean you're going to heaven. Christ died for the entire world, but not everybody's going to heaven. Because somewhere along the line, we have to accept that. Have you ever received the grace that was made available on that very first Good Friday? If you haven't trusted Christ to save you, then really Good Friday isn't good for you at all. It's just another day. It's no different than anything else. And uh, so if you understand why we call it Good Friday, your best response is to say, I'm going to accept that grace. I'm going to get in on that grace that everybody else has got in on. There's plenty of it. God never runs short. Uh, we could, you can call out to him tonight, and what a night it would be on a Good Friday evening service 
to call out to Christ to be saved, acknowledging that he's the only one that can make the relationship between you and God the way it ought to be. You can't do it. You can do the best you can, but it's not enough. Then commit your life to Christ and decide I'm going to live for him from this day forward. That's what God's looking for. That'll bring glory to him. That's your best response. But you say, preacher, I'm already saved. I'm already a believer. What should I do? Well, maybe we should do as this young lady did. Maybe we should all spend some time just falling down and praising him and thanking him. Uh, Bring glory to God. Have you ever wondered, how, do I, how can I bring glory to God? What can I do that would bring glory to God? Well, I'll mention a couple of things. Some of you thought I was done, but I'm almost done, but not quite. <laughs> this, is not, this is a bonus. It's not one of those three points. But here's what you can do. You want, you want to find a way to glorify God? First thing we can do, we can praise him through our words. How do we do that? Well, uh, we can pray for one. You can just pray. Just kneel here at an altar, kneel at home, kneel at your seat, and just thank God for things and begin to praise him for who he is and what he's done for you. And, and something else you can do, you can sing. Now, I don't know how many folks, in, it sounds like everybody in here plus a couple was singing a little while ago. But, uh, you know, sometimes we get into church service, and, and I lead songs a lot, and I look around, I see people not singing. You don't have to be a good singer. I mean, God doesn't care if your voice is good. He'll give you a good voice when you get to heaven or else he'll set you back with Brother Price where no one sings. And, <laughs> and, uh, but, uh, but sing. Uh, put your, you, can, you can express praise. You can bring glory to God uh, through your voice, uh, through, through thanking him and through praising. In either case, I don't believe God is pleased with empty words. If you're praying and you, when you get done praying, you have no idea what you've said to God, you've not really thanked God for anything. And so, same way with songs. When you sing a song, think about what you're singing. And uh, you can bring honor and glory to God. And, and as, as we have stopped this Friday evening to remember the crucifixion and reflect on what God's done for us, uh, the best thing we can do is turn our heart toward God and praise and thank him for it. But there's another way we can glorify God for the gift of Christ. That's through our actions. Just do what he says. Be obedient. There's nothing worse than folks who say, I belong to God, but I'm going to live life my way. That's not pleasing to God. It's not helping you. It's not helping anybody. And so uh, our obedience to his commands, our response to the truth of the gospel should be, I want to be more like Christ. Now, you're not going to get there in this life, but you can start that, that direction. And you can do some things. And as Christians, we ought to constantly be trying to eliminate sin in our lives. And uh, it's not going to be gone in this life, but that doesn't mean we just give up. We should be working on it and try to put God above everything else. And after we've experienced his love... We all want to put him first. That's just a normal thing to me for a Christian. When you understand what God's done for you, he ought to have preeminence over everything else. So we can do it through our voices. We can do it through our actions. And then we can glorify God by telling others. Just tell, let somebody else know what he's done. Now, it's not as easy as it sounds because a lot of people out here don't want to hear what God's done. Uh, they're not open to the word of God. So uh, what you, I, I had a person tell me one day, he said, I don't believe the Bible, so what are you going to do now? I said, I'm going to give you the Bible anyhow doesn't change it. The Bible's still true. It doesn't matter if people believe it or not. And so uh, they're not, they're not going to get saved by opinions. They're going to get saved by the hearing of the word of God. So, uh, so I'm going to give it to them anyhow, the word of God. And, uh, and I guess you could say this, but it falls under the same thing as being obedient. God, you remember before Christ left this earth, he commanded us to tell others about him. We, sometimes we call it the great commission, but it wasn't a suggestion. It was a command. How can I bring honor and glory to God for what he's done for me on Good Friday? Well, I can just tell some people. And when I understand what I've been forgiven of, we ought to be filled with enough joy. It shouldn't be too difficult to tell others. Uh, you can talk about anything. If you enjoy fishing, you can talk about fishing. 
The snow's blowing, you can still talk about fishing because you just enjoy it. And you can do that when, you, when you're in love with the Lord. Uh, you can tell others. And, and it is scary. So what happens? Well, rest assured, if you want to tell others, God will give you the strength. He'll help you to do those things. And he'll be glorified through your obedience, even if you feel like you haven't done a very good job. When you're telling his story, it's showing that you understand how valuable that his gift to you was and what he did for us. This weekend, we celebrate Good Friday and also Easter. The reason we celebrate both of them is we want to highlight different things. Tonight, we've been trying to highlight and remember the sacrifice that Christ made for us. We look at what he went through to save us. You and I who were enemies, not his friends. I didn't get saved when I was a friend of God. I became a friend of God after that. Same with you. You, was, you wasn't looking for God, most likely, uh, when he found you. And so uh, tonight we try to remember those things and the fact that because of his death, we ought to be glorifying his name. On Easter, two days from now, we're not going to celebrate the crucified Christ. We're going to celebrate the risen Christ. Amen. You see, I'm glad he died, but if he didn't come out of that grave, he still didn't do enough for me. But his, his resurrection proves that he can do what he said he could do. And he proves that he said he can save us and he can save us. And if you're not saved tonight, he's alive today and he can do something for you. So uh, we're not going to focus so much on Sunday on his sacrifice, but on his resurrection. But maybe tonight you need to take just a few moments and thank God for this Good Friday. Acknowledge to God that you realize this is not Good Friday because Jesus died. But this is Good Friday because he died for me. Would you bow with me for prayer? Father, we love you tonight. We do thank you for your death on the cross. God, I thank you that we're able to gather together as your people tonight and celebrate something that doesn't even sound natural. Uh, very rarely do you hear folks get gathering to celebrate a death. But God, we're celebrating death because it means life for us. And so tonight we'd just like to say thank you. God, I pray for someone that might be here tonight. I, I don't know most of the people in this building, but there may be someone in here that came in tonight that deep down they know I'm not really part of God's family. The best thing they could do tonight would be to come and get saved. Would you give them the courage to come and someone will take the word of God and show them how to be saved? And then for Christians tonight, God, I know not everybody can get on this altar. Not everybody can pray up here tonight. But God, maybe someone will just kneel there at their seat. And maybe some could come, maybe some could get out in the aisle, but God, help us spend a little bit of time just saying thank you for making Good Friday good. In Christ's name, amen. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. We're going to have an invitation time. And you just to examine your heart maybe you need to praise the lord if you're saved you need to praise him for what he's done what he's doing and what he's going to do if you're here tonight and you're not saved today's the day of salvation and now is the accepted time i want to encourage you as the pianist begins to play that you would stand to your feet now in one motion would you come forward as god has spoke to your heart all around the room if you'd like someone to pray with you, just let me know. We can have someone to open up God's Word and give you from the Word 
how you can know for sure that heaven's your home. Not because I said so, but because the Bible, the Bible says. dealing with hearts be an attitude of prayer maybe there might be someone here that doesn't know him you pray Lord deal with that heart even now so much for your attention. Thank you for being here. Um, we do appreciate you being here tonight. Thank you, Pastor Burt, for having the burden and coming to us with, uh, with the burden, uh, Brother Wes and I. And uh, I tell you, it was encouragement to me tonight and uh, the, for the good message, the good singing, and uh, just the good fellowship. And so thank you for being here. We're going to close in a word of prayer. Make sure you're in the Lord's house this coming Sunday. All right, Bro uh, Brother Burt, sir, would you please close us in a word of prayer? I know each individual local church is the body of Christ, but yet there's a body of Christ that encompasses all believers. And this is encouraging to me. And Lord, what better thing to, to gather together than to, than to celebrate and to praise for the cross. It's the symbol of our faith. Lord, we rejoice in the cross. Paul said, I will glory in the cross. And Lord, we glory in the cross tonight. And so we thank you. For Lord, I pray you bless us. And uh, Lord, Lord, speak to us. Draw us close to you. Prepare our hearts for Resurrection Sunday. Lord, we ask you to do a great work on, on Sunday. And uh, Lord, in each body of Christ that meets and, uh, and, and celebrates Resurrection Sunday. We thank you for these things in the name of Jesus Christ. We pray. Amen. Amen.